Good morning and welcome to Mission View Church. Hey, keep it down, everyone. Keep it down. It's a little too noisy in here. I don't know about you, but I want nothing but red meat this week. I uh, had a great Thanksgiving, but if I see chicken or turkey or anything else, I just want steak. I want steak for every meal. That would be awesome. Hey, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, I know that a lot of people are traveling, and some of you were traveling all day yesterday. Good to see you. Um, so excited. We changed up a couple things last week because we had a little Thanksgiving dinner. And so just want to let you know that the Equip class is back in action today. Don't miss it. A special word from Evan Miller will be, uh, will be being shared. I have no idea if that's grammatically correct. I'm pretty sure it's not, but it doesn't matter. Evan Miller will be in the Equip class today at 11 o'clock. Don't miss it. Right out those doors at D2 during the comments time. All right. Hey, I want to let you know, we are in the middle of the signups for community groups right now. So if you go online to missionviewchurch.org slash community groups, you can sign up for the group you want to be in this, uh, this coming winter semester. Do not wait. Some great group spots are going quickly. If there's a group you want to be in, go sign up and beat somebody else to the punch so then you can brag that you beat them to the group and they can't be in the group that you're in and uh, it'd just be wonderful. But sign up for the group that you want to be in. If you did not RSVP, you have been removed from your group uh, that you met with in the fall. So your spot is open. So sign up. Make sure if, if you did not RSVP that you get in there. One way to keep up to date with everything that we're doing is on Facebook. If you haven't, go be our 300th like on Facebook at facebook.com slash, I don't remember, just search for Mission View Church, you'll find it. <laughs> you'll find it, I promise. And then go to the page and like it. There's too many hashtags and slashes running through my mind. And mark your cell phone calendars right now or your tablets if you're, if you're so advanced. <laughs> December 22nd, December 22nd right here. We're going to have a service that morning like we normally do on Sundays and then come back that night because we're going to have a Christmas celebration that's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss it. That's Sunday, December 22nd. Uh, mark your calendars right here, six o'clock that night. Don't miss it for the Mission View Christmas celebration. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We hope that you had a lot of time uh, spent with family and friends. And uh, we hope that you just took some time to, to just be thankful for everything that you have in your life. And one of the things that we all are, can be thankful for is the fact that we have a God who loves us. And a God who loves us so much that in spite of our fallenness, in spite of our brokenness, he came uh, in order to die for us. And so this morning as we get started in our service, we're just going to think a little bit as we sing this song about how much God loves us to humble himself, to come to this world, take on the form of humanity mixed with divinity and with one purpose. And that purpose was to redeem us to himself. We're glad you're here this morning. Well, normally... Uh, we, we pray for one of the many missionaries that we're supporting, uh, both locally and, and globally. And uh, this morning we thought we'd do something a little bit different. We thought we would, uh, we'd pray for one of our very own ministries and our children's ministry. Uh, if, if you're not aware, over to my left is Kelly Hansen. Kelly Hansen serves as our children's director. And did somebody just woo? There, you got a woo. Congre awesome. 
I thought it was Steve at first, but no. <laughs> He's wooed all the time. That Steve Marshall wanted me to make sure that you knew that was Steve, her husband. Uh, he, was, he was very, very concerned about that. <laughs> very concerned. But uh, Kelly does just an incredible job about children's ministry incredible job with children's ministry and so we're just going to ask her a couple questions so you get to know children's ministry if you don't have children already in children's ministry if you have children already in children's ministry then you know what an incredible job kelly and her team are doing but uh kelly first question for you is how many volunteers do you have on your team uh, we have 37 volunteers currently incredible and that covers uh preschool up through grade five right birth birth excuse me birth uh, through grade five. And how many kids do you have in, in those ranges? On average, we have 52 kids each week. 52 kids, that's awesome. And the, the 37 volunteers, now they're not all on it at one time. So how many volunteers do we have working on a, on a weekly basis? And how do those rotations work so everybody knows? We usually have uh, about 17 to 22 volunteers each week. Um, we need about you know, 20, 24 to 25 volunteers each week. And then what the, the workers do is they work two weeks on and two weeks off. So if you're Team A, you work the first two Sundays of each month, and then you have a ministry partner who works the second two Sundays. And it works that way so that if you need a Sunday off, if you're traveling or you're not feeling great, you can call your person who's the opposite of you, and they can fill in for you, which is great continuity for the kids because then they know the same faces and they're very comfortable and familiar. Now, you said, you know, you need a few additional volunteers. Are you looking for anybody, or do you have to love kids? You have to love kids. <laughs> we're not that needy. <laughs> we're we're kind of particular. We don't have foals. We have opportunities. Uh, and we, have, we try to match the person for the age group of the child, your desire, and what you like to do in ministry, and openings that we have that would fit your, your gifts. So if you're a curmudgeon and you don't love children, we don't need you yet. But there may come a time where we force you into some role. But not now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing around. Now, as if you were here last week, you saw that uh, out of the 11 people that were baptized last Sunday, there were a couple kids, and we're uh, just really excited about that. Tell us, tell us some of the highlights so far that, that you've had working for the past three months with the kids. Well, that was exciting because we, we teach what you guys are learning in here, and we teach the kids kind of the same thing but in, you know, uh, sorry, Steve, uh, like fun, a lot, a lot of fun ways. Um, we know you're all having fun in here, but, you know, we'll do game shows, we do skits, so we act things out. Uh, for the last four weeks, I've actually been a construction worker uh, in kids' church. So we're talking with the kids about what you're learning so that when you go home, if you have children, you can ask them about, uh, about their morning, but you already know because you've already learned it here. So as we've been talking about baptism and com communion, things that are coming up or that we've already um, went over, it's, it's exciting to see some kids truly understand baptism and ask to be baptized and of course it worked out well because that's what you're doing in here so that's truly a blessing apparently steve got the memo he brought in a picnic table so he's he's trying to amp up the fun for you kelly <laughs> um what are the what are the best ways that we can be praying for you as as you and your team do this incredible ministry and uh how can we best be praying for you I think the most important thing is if you could pray each and every Sunday as the, the volunteers come in, just that their hearts would be ready and excited to love your children and to teach your children the word of God just simply, uh, clearly out of scripture. 
uh, that's wonderful because people come in and they're hectic, they're busy, you know how it is to get here in the morning, but then we want them to clear their mind and to be excited about receiving each child into the ministry and loving them. Uh, also for, for more servants that want to come and teach children and spend time with them and for the children as they come, uh, just to be ready to receive the word of God. Well, let me just say thank you to you and your team. You're doing an incredible job. If you have kids and you haven't checked out the children's ministry, don't wait. It's incredible. If you know a family that has kids, I, I'd encourage you to tell them it's a safe environment. It's a fun environment. They're learning about Jesus. And as we saw last week, their lives are, lives are being changed and, and kids are turning their faith and trust to Jesus and they're, they're boldly proclaiming it. So I don't know what else we could be excited about other than that. So Kelly, let me pray for you and your team and let uh, just know that we are so thankful for your ministry. God, thank you for, for Kelly and the team of volunteers that you've placed around her. Thank you, God, for this team that, that loves children, that provides them a safe environment, and God is passionate about conveying the truth of your word. God, thank you for the lives that we've already seen changed. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless them in their efforts. I pray, God, for the individuals sitting out here today who, who've heard now a little bit about children's ministry and who know they have a passion and a gifting to, to work with kids. God, I pray they won't delay. But I pray today they would seek Kelly out or they'd send an email and get more information about becoming involved in, in serving in children's ministry. God, I pray for the kids who each week are entrusted to Kelly and the volunteers' care. God, I pray that you would begin, even in their young lives, to, to just work. God, that you would reveal to them their need for a relationship with you. And God, that we would continue to see children turning their faith and trust to you. That they would make a stand, even at their young age, to follow after you. God, thank you for the work that is being done. And I pray, God, that you would bless each, each member of the children's team. God, thank you for them. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to my picnic. Are we going to have fun today? Okay, I hope so. You know, I think there comes a point in every person's life where they come to that place where they realize that their life is to be completely surrendered over to God. Now, it may happen in a part of a process. Certainly, it happens when we give our life to Jesus and we surrender to Him. But I think there comes monumental times in our life when we look at the Word of God and we come to certain discoveries that we're to have a life that is completely open for him to take everything uh, in our life. Now, for some of you, that moment has arrived. It's, it's taken place. You can think back to a specific time where God really spoke to your heart. And maybe for some people, that moment might be even today. I don't know. I can remember when I was 17 years of age, I was three years old as a believer, and I, uh, I was just in love with God's Word, and I wanted to spend time with God one afternoon. And I went to my place where I try to get away and just enjoy. It's my mountaintop place. It's the Firestone Metropolitan Park, just up from Turtle Pond. There's a picnic table just tucked back into the woods, and there's a little grill there for people to cook out on. And I was sitting there one day and I was meditating on Romans chapter 12 verse 1 
And Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, uh, I urge you, brothers, in light of God's mercies, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice before God, uh, in, which is your spiritual service of worship. And as I started thinking about presenting my body as a living sacrifice and that this is what God required of me, I started thinking about what this meant to be a living sacrifice, which was a spiritual act of worship, that I'm presenting myself wholly before God. And my mind started racing that afternoon as I was sitting at a picnic table just like this. I started thinking about sacrifices. And I went back to the Old Testament and I thought, okay, sacrifices in the Old Testament were not living sacrifices. They always ended up dead, dead on the altar. And then I started thinking, well, that was just a precursor or a picture of what would happen in Christ coming and putting himself on the altar of the cross, and he too would die on that cross as the perfect lamb of God, once for all, the just for the unjust. And I thought, you know what? What Christ did was that he, in a sense, cleared the altar from him on. There was no need for anybody to be a dead sacrifice, but we could be a living sacrifice before God. And I started thinking about that as a Christian. I thought, you know what, there's a little bit of danger there because as a living sacrifice, I can up and walk off of the altar and I can get away from God. I can go and do my own thing. But what God desires, according to Romans, is that I would be a living sacrifice. And there I was in the middle of this park thinking, you know what, Lord, I, I want to be a living sacrifice. And so as I started looking at my surrounding, I thought, well, there's a grill right there. Uh, it's not quite an altar. So I thought, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to stand up on the picnic table and use your imagination for a minute. But I went ahead and I stood on the grill right in the middle of Firestone Metropolitan Park. And I thought, okay, I want to present myself as a living sacrifice. Now, granted, those that were walking by probably thought I needed to be committed, but that's okay. I didn't care what other people thought. It really was a holy moment for me at that time. And what I did is I went through my entire body from the, the top of my head to my toes, and I committed every aspect to God. I said, Lord, help my mind. Help my mind to be so committed on you. Help it to be transformed by your word. Help my eyes to be the eyes that would see how you see people. Help me to see people with eyes of grace. Help me to look at the things that are pure and avoid the things that are not. Lord, help me to have ears that listen to people that come alongside of individuals that's not just listening to what I want, but I listen to what they need and what's going on in their life. Help my mouth to be one that speaks truth. Help me to be a person that edifies and encourages other people. Help, Lord, for my hands to be used of yours. Uh, help me to give. Help me to help those that are in need. Help me to see that and help me to use my hands to meet those needs. May my heart be, the passions of my heart be set on you. Help me to have your desires within my heart. Even in my sexuality, Lord, I pray that I would keep myself 
secure. I wasn't married at that time. I was, I was dating Leanne. But I said, Lord, help me to have one woman in my life and let me be committed to that one woman. And Lord, help my feet to be feet that go and share the good news that I would go to the places that you would lead, that I would be the man of God that you want me to be. And that afternoon, as I stood on that altar, I really started thinking about what it meant for me to present myself with my hands wide open to God. This morning, I want to challenge you from God's word that I believe that that's not only an experience that I am to have, I believe it's something that all of us should have, that we should present ourselves wide open to God. God, everything that I am, all that I have, it is absolutely yours. And my question this morning is, have you presented yourself with your hands wide open before God? Because I believe that's what this journey is about. You see, we've been on this journey called the pursuit. And in this pursuit, we've, we've covered that it starts when we come into a relationship with Christ and we learn what it means to become an imitator of Christ. And we learn that Christ has requirements of us. He wants us to be identified with him in baptism. He wants us to grow in this. He wants us to take in his word and for us to learn his word. And we should have someone ahead of us and someone behind us in discipleship that we can pour into. He wants us to serve him and to, uh, to exercise our spiritual muscles and the gifts that God has given us. And all of this is cultivated in this beautiful, magnificent thing called the church that, that demonstrates the brilliance of God this thing called the church. And we learned last week that we are to be humbly broken before God in our dependency in Him in prayer. And today, we're going to look at how we are to present ourselves before God with open hands. And I want to pray that God would do a work in our hearts as we look at His Word today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us to understand Your desire I pray, Father, that you would help us to have your message on our heart. Help us to be givers, Lord. Help us to give our entire being to you. Help us to have your passion on our heart. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Our primary passage is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 9. So if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to be looking at verses 6 to 13. But before we go there, I want to share a couple passages that really set the stage in specifically on the topic of giving. We're going to be looking at giving of our finances, but I didn't want it to be limited to that. I want us to have an attitude of, Lord, open hands before you. My body, my time, my, my energies, all my resources are for you. But Jesus said this in Luke 6, I would recommend you reading the entire chapter, but Luke 6, 38 says this, Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now notice what Jesus is saying. The measure of your generosity God will use that as the standard by which he will pour generosity back unto you. 
Jesus clearly commanded to give for us, Christ's followers, to fuel the mission of God by giving. Acts 20, the apostle Paul is actually quoting Jesus, and he says this, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. The context was Paul saying there's a mission that has to happen. We're to come alongside of those and helping with their material needs, helping the weak. And he says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know that last phrase, it is more blessed to give than to receive? I don't even know if people know they're quoting Jesus, but we hear that a lot during the holiday times, don't, don't we? Oh yes, it's always better to give than to receive. But I want you to know that is a mantra of Jesus, not just for December. It is a mantra that we are to have for our life. That he wants us to be givers. So let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and, and we'll be looking at verse 6. Now, let me set the context. The Apostle Paul is penning these words, and he is writing to the Corinthian church that had made a dedication of themselves to taking up financial contributions and helping out with the poor in Jerusalem. They made a commitment. The problem was that they were starting to waver in that commitment, and as a result, Paul wrote these words. Now, they wavered possibly for several reasons. One, maybe it was an internal struggle, just like we have. I don't know if I can give this. I got other bills to pay. And that was possibly the, the issue. But also, there was, we know externally, there were those that were false teachers that were coming alongside of the Corinthians telling them, don't listen to that Apostle Paul. Don't listen to him. Listen to us. And so Paul is writing these chapters, chapter 8 and 9, to correct that. I would encourage you to read both of those chapters if you want to understand God's heart on giving. But we're going to take a small section and see what happens when we give our lives with open hands before God. The first thing that we'll see is that we become enriched as the giver. The giver becomes enriched when we present ourselves with open hands. Take a look at verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, Paul uses a farming analogy, and this was a farming community, so they totally got this. And there was kind of an understanding here. A farmer always had the choice of taking in the seed and using that seed either for their own personal consumption or they could save the seed and they could sow that seed for a greater harvest. And so what Paul is saying is if you sow it sparingly, if, because you've eaten it, you know, you have a choice, guys. You either eat it or you sow it. So if you've eaten it, you're going to have a sparse harvest. But if you use it to sow your resources, then you're going to have an abundant harvest. Then in verse 7, what Paul does is he makes the transition and parallels with this farming analogy. Take a look what he says in verse 7. 
Each one must give what he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but for God, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, basically what he is saying here, guys, is, okay, you, this is what God wants. He's given it to you in steps. Step one is that you are to determine what you are to give. Take the seed that God has given you in the resources, and you need to determine what you will set aside to be planted and invested into the mission work of God. You needed to do, you need to do that. The implication here is if you eat it and spend it all on yourself, then your harvest will not be plentiful. Number two is that you're not to do it in a reluctant way. Don't do it as if God's twisting your arm. Don't feel like God is trying to create a compulsion within you that you must do this. No, no, no. God wants us to do it because we realize the big picture. And finally, the last thing that we're to do is we're to give joyfully. We're to give, it says in this passage, cheerfully. The word cheerful means hilarious. That we are to give with such joy in our heart that it is not a burden on us at all because we realize everything that we have is God's anyways. And so all I'm doing is I'm investing into the work that God has given me to do. Now notice as he progresses here in helping us understand how we are enriched that he says, no, God first set the example for each and every one of us. Take a look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. This is what God has done for us. He was the first giver so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Basically, he is saying, God has given us this resource called his grace. And His grace is kind of like this huge ocean that will never, never be emptied out. And we as Christ followers are tapped into this ocean of God's grace, which is His love, His kindness. And we're tapped into that. And He's given us every resource that we need to succeed. And what He wants is for us to have all sufficiency, all things that we need all, at all times, that we might abound in every good work. In other words, God's given us everything we need to accomplish His mission. He's given it to you. He's given it to me. He's done that. God has graciously done it. Now, verse 9, he goes on and he quotes Psalm 112. Now, if you were to read Psalm 112, you would realize it's about a righteous man who took his resources and would invest it into people. And so he is using that psalm as a motivation to the believer. This is what I've done for you. I've provided for you. This is what I want for you. I want you to be like a Psalm 112 type of person. This is a Psalm 112 person. As it is written, he has distributed freely, talking about the righteous person. This is an individual. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, I think that last phrase is a motivation. For the person that's like this, 
the person that's a giver, the person that understands the big picture, he says his righteousness lives, endures forever. That's kind of another way of saying that what we do here matters and it will outlive each and every one of us. It is an eternal thing, and that's what he desires for every single one of us. On top of that, look at verse 10. He will give us abundantly as a result of us giving. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Let me ask you a question. Do you want God to increase the harvest of your righteousness? Do you want God to increase what he is doing through you here on planet Earth? Do you want to be enriched by God? He is saying that he will pour out that abundance. Now, please don't misunderstand this. Some people are, that are coming out of a, maybe you've been, in a health, wealth, prosperity church, I want you to know this isn't a health, wealth, prosperity message. This is not a guarantee that if you give $10, then you are going to have it multiplied a hundredfold. You've heard one of those messages before, right? Okay, you've been there. But what he is saying is that God, our Father, loves us so much, and he loves the heart of his children when we are obedient to him, he wants to bless us. How many of you are parents? Raise your hands. How many of you, when your kids are absolute terrors, absolutely disobedient, how many of you just love pouring blessings upon your children? I didn't think so. But on those occasions, on those good and glorious days where your children are like right there, you as a dad, you as a mom, you want to reward that because it's intrinsic within you because you want to bless your kids. We have a God, our Father, who is exactly like that. He loves to bless obedience. And sometimes that blessing is material. Sometimes it's wealth of relationship. Sometimes it goes a lot deeper than that. It's a soul that's saved. That's an awesome thing that we get to participate in our investment into other people's lives. That's what God wants to do. He wants to enrich us. Here's the second thing that happens when we have hands that are wide open. We become, there are... Um, we are the recipients. Recipients of the gifts are changed. The recipients, those that we minister to, they're changed. That's what happens when we have hands wide open. Take a look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Underscore that. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Now let me ask you, what would cause individuals to give thanksgiving to God? I believe the answer is this. Because when we give of ourselves and there are other people that are recipients, 
it results tangibly in lives being changed. I dream of the time when there are couples that would say, thank you, God, because my community group leader loved me and counseled me in God's word, and my life, my marriage is changed because of this. I dream of that mom and dad that say, thank you, God, for these people that have made an investment into my life. I praise you for that. I dream of a community that says, thank you, God, because these people showed me the way to God. This is, the, this is what we're talking about, that there are recipients, and these recipients are changed. And isn't that what we're about? See, when we fuel the mission, even here at Mission View, what's happening is there should be lives that are changed as a result of this. And that's what we desire. And when that happens, verse 13 happens. God is praised. Take a look at this. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel and the generosity of your contribution from them and from all others. Basically what the Apostle Paul is saying, Corinthians, stay with it, keep giving, because what you're going to do by your giving, your giving mission view, is that you become an arrow to give direct praise to God. Your life becomes an embodiment of this gospel where people are pointed to Jesus and we give praise to him for the things that he has done in our lives. My friends, that's what we want. We want to bring praise. So the Apostle Paul writes these words because he wants the church to be on task. So what do we do with this? What should we be like as, as, uh, at Mission View? How can we have our hands wide open? I want to transition in our message, and I want to have a, about 20 minutes of an application time where we think about this in practical terms in terms of this passage and other passages, in terms of how we are to be givers before God and what God says the finances should be about for us as a church. Here's the first principle. I'm going to give a principle and then I'm going to give an application that directly applies to each one of us. First principle is this. God has established the church to be the vehicle of distribution of funds for meeting of needs. We use this passage in Corinthians as the case study of this. The Corinthian church was that vehicle by which funds were given to different missions, and the mission at that time happened to be the poor in Jerusalem. But notice it was the church was the vehicle. If the church is God's design for that to happen, then that has a ramification for us. And that is this. We have to find a church we can trust. Now I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that's mission view for you. But let me ask a question. How many people here have been in a really bad situation where your trust was violated through a church? Raise your hand. Raise it high. A good handful of people around this auditorium. 
And I want you to know I have as well. And I know that that's why integrity has to be of the utmost highest here at Mission View. We, like our sending ministry, want to model integrity on a high level. And that's why we have leaders that are going to hold accountable. That's why we have open books. That's why in your bulletin you have an update, quarterly update, on what's happening in the church financially. Because we have to be trustworthy because of what Jesus has commissioned the church to do. Second thing, God instructs the church to take up a collection the first day of each week. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, some people ask the question, well, Steve, why do we pass an offering plate? Why do we do that? Well, we've been given a model of this in the scripture. Let me read one passage that would verify this. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is writing and he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of each week, Sunday, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. What God has instituted is not only the church would be the vehicle of distribution of the funds, but it would also be the place where those funds would be collected. Now here's the application point. Giving should be done through the local church. That's the New Testament pattern that we're given. I say that because we live in a culture where there are many parachurch ministries that are very good ministries. And I'm not saying you never give to those. But the primary vehicle that God has established is through the local church. And I want you to know that there's a practical reason why. Because the local church with its leadership has the responsibility, the burden upon their shoulders to make sure that these parachurch ministries that we come alongside of are vetted, that they are reliable, that they are having, uh, they have show integrity in their books. The average person going to church does not have time to go check out different ministries. That is what you guys pay me to do. We are going to make sure that that happens. We have, uh, we, we have a ministry relationship with Refuge of Hope. It's one of our mission, mission agencies that we hope to go along with this fall, in, or I'm sorry, this January. We have vetted this ministry. We have vetted ICU, which is a ministry that's a rescue of, of babies that are unborn. It's been vetted. There's Remember New. It has been vetted. And I could go on and on and on about the ministries that we have. This is vitally important. The third thing, God builds upon the foundation in the scriptures of 10% tithe in the Old Testament to now sacrificial giving in the New Testament. Now, some people will say, well, how much should I give? I don't even know that tithing's in the Bible. Well, tithing is in the Bible. It is a principle, a foundation that's been laid in the Old Testament. For the Jewish person, they knew that they were to tithe, and they knew that tithe was 10%, because that's what the word means, 10%. So they were to set aside 10% of their income in the Old Testament. That's what was mandatory. It was a given. It was straight off what they made income-wise. And then they had taxes on top of that. 
they probably had around 25 to 30 percent of their income going to either tithe or taxes. In the New Testament, interestingly, there is no command to tithe. The command in the New Testament is to sacrificially give over and over again. 10% isn't good enough for God. What God wants is for all of it to be His and that we would give according to what God has put upon our hearts. Now for the new Jewish believer that was in this church, they knew that 10% was probably more their foundation. But God was given grace so that they could evaluate it for themselves. And so it wasn't under compulsion. It wasn't a law that said, you've got to give 10%. It was a desire within their hearts. Now, for some of these people, it had to go way beyond 10% because 10% wasn't sacrificial. But there may have been some in that culture where 5% was extremely sacrificial. And so that's why God says in the New Testament, Give what's on your heart, but make sure it is sacrificial. As I think about that for us, one of the things that happens in America is that we tend to give God our leftovers. After we've paid our bills, we haven't given thought in advance to what is sacrificial. And so what we do is we say, pay our bills, and if there's something left over, we give it to God. I want you to know if you read the book of Malachi, God would say, no, 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 no. I don't want the leftovers. I want the first fruits of what you have to give. I want the best of what God has given you. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think it through. As your pastor, I want to challenge you as you approach 2014, think in advance, what sacrifice is to you and your family and make a commitment to that. We move on. Number four, God expects the church to fund the mission that is carried out by dedicated servants. Now, in the scriptures, there is places where two kinds of people get income for the service. Number one, 1 Timothy 5 says this, Let the elders or leaders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when he's treading out the grain, and the laborer deserves its wage. Second example is the sent out servant, like the Apostle Paul. He writes in Philippians 4, he says, Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need once again and again. So the Philippians, while Paul was on his missionary journey, sent out support for him. Now I want you to know that that humbles me. It humbles me that local servants as well as abroad servants are supported. For the last 25 years, I get my paycheck from you. And I and my family has always been provided for, and we try to do that in a fair way for any staff member. And I want you to know I am deeply grateful, and I speak on behalf of the staff, that you would love us in that way. But I'm also thankful that we have a chance as a church to support missions. 
Now, let me tell you something that's confusing in my mind. A lot of times in the American church, we get excited about the weirdest stuff. We get excited about things like brick and mortar, but we don't get excited about missions and what's happening overseas. Now, that may not be true of everybody. Sometimes when we support individuals, what we're doing is they're catalytic. They're catalytic. I am to be catalytic to you. I am to set an example of giving, an example of reaching out, but I am catalytic in helping you and the body of Christ be mobilized to be doing the work that God wants us to be doing here. Missionaries are that way in different places in the world. That we should get excited about. But often, I, I find people get so lit when we get into a building program. Oh, man, good. We are going to have our own building. And people, even in starting Mission View, have said, when are you going to have your own building? That, I mean, like, that is the very first thing they think of when it's a church plan. When are you going to have your own building? Because when you do, it's implied, then you are going to be there. I want you to know that we measure success a little bit differently here. We're not against buildings. I don't want to say that. But we are more for the investing into lives. Because when we invest into lives, that is investing into the mission that God has given us. Nowhere in the scriptures do we see a model where we give and invest into bricks and mortar. It's not, well, we do in the Old Testament, but we don't see it in the New Testament. I'm not saying it's forbidden. I'm just saying that that's not what we get excited about. Let me give you a tangible uh, uh, appeal to you. Here at Mission View, or any actually church that builds a building, uh, anywhere from, let's say, 300 to 500 people, when they build a building, they're not going to build it for less than a million to three million dollars. That's just the way it goes in today's society. It costs money to build, uh, to buy the land, to purchase the, the facility, the, the, the construction cost. And what that translates into is about forty to $50,000 a month that is in mortgage payments, it's in electricity, it's in gas payment, it's in maintenance crews, it's in maintaining that building. At Mission View, this auditorium on a Sunday and plus our, our rental space um, over at the Hoover District, gas utilities out the door cost $5,000 a month. Now, I want you to contrast that. If we can keep that for as long as possible and avoid the forty dollars to $50,000 a month, what we can do is we can take that and invest it into lives. Because I want to rescue children from the sex trade industry. I want to see lives changed. I want to see churches planted. We want to do that. And again, there may come a day that we're kicked out of this place, but right now, keep praying that God give us favor because some people are like, how long, to worry? How long are we in here? Guys, I'm in here for the long haul. I want to be in here as long as we can so we can invest as much as we can because our goal is to give 20% of everything we bring in to invest in life change, not bricks and mortar. As much as we can avoid it, that's what we want. This next year, our prayer is that we would bring on seven different missions. 
we want to bring on Scott Carter, who's working, working in the different stans, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, places where there's persecution of believers, and he comes alongside of leaders to see church planting movements. We want to come alongside of John Reeser, who's helping plant churches in Mexico. We want to come alongside of Josh and Sarah Whitman, who are working in Amoya, Italy, and seeing a new church planted there. We want to come alongside of ICU. We're not, with any of these, we're not doing it as of right now. Because we want to see babies saved. We want to see uh, women saved as a result of them hearing the gospel. We have two projects that we are putting before you and putting before the Lord next year. We want to come alongside of Hairi and his wife, Layla, and send them from Antalya to Alanya, to plant a church in a city of a half a million people. This is strategic partners and investment. We'd like to buy him a truck so that he long-term can raise his own support in that country. We would like to see a new home built in northern Thailand to rescue children from the, the, from the sex trade industry. We want, through our ministry, Remember New, and we want to support our local mission, Refuge of Hope. My friends, all of this is possible. All of this is possible. We currently have it within our budget that within 10% of our giving that we can accomplish these things. But it will take a people that would say, yeah, that is a mission I can get excited about. I want to be a part of that mission, God's mission. Are you with me? The fifth thing that we learn and, and, that, and that is this. God warns us against materialism. If there is one obstacle to us being able to accomplish what we need to, it's materialism. 1 John 2.15 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now the fact is, some in the church want to give, but they would say, Steve, I just can't give because I am so in debt at this time in my life. Now, I realize that some debt is because of a financial downturn, a loss of jobs, or catastrophe in your life. But probably the majority of debt that is in America is not because of that, but because we take the seed and the resources that God has given us, and instead of sowing it, we consume it for ourselves. We are in the midst of a, a materialistic time in our society. October 26th was the date that I saw my first Christmas ad. We hadn't even gotten past Halloween, and I'm seeing Christmas ads. Now, this isn't a boycott against buying Christmas. I want you to buy Christmas presents for your family. But there is a culture that says, go in debt, go in debt, go in debt. I want you to know at Mission View, we want to help you. I have four sets of counselors that are available immediately for the person that would say, you know what, I am so in debt and I cannot give at this time. We want to be a part of the solution for you. All you got to do is email me, steve at missionviewchurch.org and I will make sure that you get linked up with one of these counselors They'll come to your house, help you work through finances so that you can get on the right track. The last thing in the, in the principle there is to get help when you're in debt. The last thing that we see here is that the last principle I want to bring out is that God allows us to enjoy his blessings. 
I'm going to have the worship team come up at this time. God allows us to enjoy his blessings. Ecclesiastes 5 says this. Listen to this verse. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his, accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. See, this last biblical truth balance out the thought that God doesn't want us to enjoy any of the possessions that we have. God doesn't want us to idolize the possession, but he certainly allows us to enjoy what we have when we have sacrificially given. Is it wrong for you to go on a nice vacation? Absolutely not. Is it wrong for you to buy a car that gets you, that's reliable, that gets you from one place to another? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to have a nice house where you can carry out your ministry objectives? Absolutely not. What we believe God wants of us is to keep our priority of open hands before God. God, it's all yours. And after I've given sacrificially, we enjoy what God has given us. The last principle or application is receive God's blessings with deep gratitude. Here's the six application points. Find a church that you can trust. I hope it's Mission View. Give through the local church. Determine in advance what sacrifice looks like for you. Fuel the mission. Get help if you're in debt. Receive God's blessings with deep gratitude. This morning as we close out our service, what I was hoping is that we could all go to Firestone Metropolitan Park together. I was hoping that maybe even though you don't have a picnic table and I don't want you hurting yourself by standing on the bench, but I want you to, when you stand for this song, picture yourself upon the altar of God. And as I did when I was 17 and I stood before God with open hands, I said, God, take this head, this mind of mine, take my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my hands, every aspect of my body, I commend it to you. I surrender it completely to you. During this last song, allow that to be the application of this worship, that you would say, God, everything I am, mark this moment, today, December 1st, 2013. I'm yours. Take me. Use me as you will. Lord Jesus, help us to be a people that present ourselves before you with open hands. May it be reflected in the way that we live out this life. May it be seen in our generosity. May it be seen in the way that we love people. May it be seen in the way that we give of our gifts and our talents. Lord, help us to be sacrificial and hilarious givers. We pray that in your name. Amen. Before you go, I want to remind you that we have the commons. For those of you that are not or that are new to the ministry, if you go right out, out the auditorium and just hang a right, you will find, just smell the java brewing, okay? It's over there. We got danishes. It's a great time for us just to get to know each other. Let me remind you that it is a time to get to know each other, so use it for that. And for those of you that don't know what the equip class is, 
we designed a class, it's the only class that happens during this time, that if you would like to know how you can be used better of God, we want to equip you to fulfill the mission God has for you. Uh, uh, we are going to have Evan share about how he reaches out to his neighborhood. And if you would like to reach your neighborhood, it would be a great thing to go to. It's in D2. You'll see it on your way to the commons. Good morning and keep your mission in view.